Welcome back to the next episode of Web3 Made Easy. So how I want to kind of um, structure the coming episodes is that we'll kind of talk really briefly on some concepts from A to Z in a way that I believe um, is a great way to start understanding um, blockchain, crypto, NFTs in a very systematic way so that we understand the foundational building blocks. And then as we start to talk about more complicated topics like NFTs and crypto um, or decentralized apps, that you really understand where the um, foundation is built on. So the first episode today is going to be about what is a blockchain? So when we think about blockchains, um, I'm sure we've all heard the terms of, oh, it's a ledger that is, you know, copied X, Y, and Z. Um, but what I want to give you um, is a few concepts to really understand um, blockchain and it, it in a very easy um, perspective. So the way I think about different blockchains, because um, this is one of the most complicated things or um, when first hopping into blockchains, is that we think that blockchain is one just one thing, whereas it's more than just one thing. Um, if you, I really like to tell people that it's like um, communication, um, smartphone communication providers, telecommunication providers. Like, uh, um, I mean, Canada, so we have we have Bell, we have Rogers, we have um, we have Telus, um, and I'm sure in you know, you're, wherever you're hearing this from, you know about there's, you know, there's different phone providers, right? And each one provides a different SIM chip for your phone and that they're not um, interoperable. And this is a term that's used, which means that if it was interoperable, which means that one SIM card could work on another uh, telecommunications um, tele, um, company's phone, which we know that does not work. Which means that if I'm with one specific um, computer um, or you know service provider, um, I'm stuck with that service provider. So now let's take this exact same concept into the blockchain. So we have blockchains like Bitcoin, we have blockchains like Ethereum, we have blockchains like Solana, Phantom, uh, Cardano. Every single one of these different blockchains are its own separate entity. All right, so the ledgers that we, we've heard about um, that are being, um, you know, displaced to prove transactions on those blockchains are separate to those exact blockchains. Um, so, so when we really think about a blockchain, a blockchain is basically a bunch of, um, um, I guess you would say, transactions. So it's a bunch of different transactions which um, are verifiable um by everyone on the chain and thus transparent to everyone on the chain and basically how that works um, so we'll talk about like a, an easier version and talk a little bit more about how it's done is that imagine there were a hundred computers all around the world and you had access to one of these computers so now every single transaction you've done, which is send a Bitcoin to a, an individual, and right now we're talking about being on a, on a Bitcoin uh, blockchain, as I send a Bitcoin to an individual around the world, um, that transaction is then um, um, facilitated without um, the help of anyone, just due to the, the um, I guess you would say, the code that was um, built on that blockchain, so that it's a basically an automated code so that, okay, when I send X um, 
someone's going to help verify that transaction. And that transaction, based on the 100 computers, is going to share the exact same information. Um, and that same information is then uh, consensed that, okay, this transaction is something that we want to put on the chain, and it's been verified by the majority. So technically, um, the way that these chains work is that we, we cannot have um, more than 51% of an individual owning a chain because then that individual now has power to control the actual written consignment of that um, transaction. Um, and if we have, say, three people out of the 100 trying to forge the transaction, which means that I'm sending you one Bitcoin, um, but someone maybe tries to modify it, 10, you know, 10 people out of the 100 try to modify that transaction so that you sent half a Bitcoin, um, based on the consensus model that obviously um, 90 is, is uh, bigger than 10, they're going to believe the 90 and then go with the 90 and then say that, okay, well, 90 people say that, you send one Bitcoin instead of half, so thus we go with the um, full Bitcoin. Now, um, that should give you a better understanding of how blockchain transactions are done. Um, and this is where they talk about some things where there's some scalability issues, whereas, hey, do we have enough people around the world that are currently doing these transactions? Um, um, because obviously, if, if Bitcoin gets adopted to a specific level, if we only have 100 people doing transactions and there's thousands of people um, needing transactions done, there gets backup. Um, there gets, um, you know, transactions backed up, which now we get into a thing called the gas transactions, um, which is to for these transactions to be um, done, they're not going to be done for free. People around the world buy GPUs or uh, what have you to actually facilitate these um, computational um, transactions. And there's two major ways um, in which an individual um, will, or a blockchain will um, basically do transactions um, or like as a protocol in terms of like a pro specific process in which they do this. Um, with Bitcoin, they have a thing called a proof of work. So there's two, a proof of work and proof of stake. Um, today we'll be talking about proof of work. Um, although I'll probably, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll just be talking about proof of work and in the next episode, talk about proof of stake. Um, so in proof of work, we can imagine it like this. There's 100 computers around the world um, and that there's only your transaction that you just sent one Bitcoin to. You just put a carrot at the end of a racetrack with 100 horses. So now the fastest horse um, that actually gets to the finish line and finishes um that transaction first is the first person who's going to get the prize. But what happens is, uh, and this is where some people talk about the, the the energy consumption of Bitcoin, is that, okay, well, 100 horses did race for that same transaction, but only one got the um, transaction um, solved, which means that 99 of those horses basically wasted energy trying to figure out that same computational, um, that, um, um, you know, transaction which okay which basically you know put on the chain okay um user x sent user y one bitcoin um which is one of the um scalability issues of um bitcoin um but now we know that um 
that is how a transaction is basically, if you want to think about it that way, those are how transactions are being taken place, right? But due to the fact that now, that, you know, when I send that in a specific action on the chain, no one facilitates that trade for me because it was a pre-recorded um, script. If you if you think about it, like, you know, when I, um, um, it's like a code, right? That does one thing only. But um, so because it's been coded, I don't need like a bank or anything like that. I don't need a third party to really um, to facilitate that trade for me. It's It was a code that is, um, okay, I send one Bitcoin, finishes the script, but now as well, it has to check the script to see that, okay, that script is correct. The, the amount was correct. And then basically um, finishes that. But now we go into the gas fee. Um, so a gas fee is what we pay for an individual around the world to actually complete that transaction and then put it done thus on the chain. Um, which if you think about a chain or a blockchain or any chains, think about a long line, um, a long line, like, you know, like that's a kilometer wide, hundred kilometers wide, what have you. And on, on that line, there's a bunch of different, um, tiny, whole um, spots which have its own unique digital code which basically um, stores transactions it's on a long line so i if i were to actually look at that specific point on that line i could actually see that okay user x sent user y one bitcoin and that line is um, um, has the ability to be seen by anyone in the world so now we talk a little bit about wallets so you need a wallet or a Bitcoin wallet um, to actually now do these transactions on the chain because now your digital identity associated with that transaction is now based on the wallet. And a wallet um, is actually not just a wallet. It's actually just an app, right? Um, we give it the connotation of a wallet because obviously it makes sense that, okay, if I'm holding a Bitcoin, which is a different type of form of currency, not like fiat, which is the paper, um, we want to give the, the idea that we're actually holding something, which is our currency or our assets in this wallet, but it's actually just an app. Um, and what this app does, this app um, basically has a ability to have a, a unique code, which shows that, okay, this is a unique individual, like a SIN number, social insurance number. Um, and when you hold a specific currency, the currencies do not stay in the wallet, right? Your NFTs do not stay in the wallet. Your tokens do not stay on the wallet. All of these assets stay on the chain. So now when I look on the chain, I can actually see specifically like, okay, this individual has $5 in his bank account. This individual has one NFT in his bank account. Um, and how this works is basically all your assets stay on the chain. Um, but the thing is, it's impossible to find um, an asset unless you know the digital identity or code for that wallet, right? So unless I actually know that, okay, Julian owns this wallet that I can actually see inside of his wallet. If I don't know who the name behind that wallet is, I don't know who owns the wallet, nor can I find what where that wallet is. And the same goes for my crypto or my token or my NFTs, right? All of these are all hidden on the, the chain, like, like treasure. So if I were to think about a wallet, it would basically be a treasure map with a specific, um, you know, GPS coordinates with a special key, right? Half of a key. Whereas without my key, I cannot access my um, assets on the chain. 
so it's basically a you know a, a two um, you know two security thing there. The, one, it shows you exactly where the, the asset is being stored, and then two, you have a key that matches another key, which then enables you to modify um, that specific asset on the chain. But when I modify that asset on the chain, like we talked about, that transaction gets sent to one of the hundred computers to then enable you to then now um, change that asset on the chain. So that should give you a very basic understanding now. Uh, of how blockchain actually works. All right. Um, so that is, I think, um, what I'll be covering on this episode. Um, so thank you so much for hopping in on what a blockchain actually is. Um, and I hope to catch you in the next episode. Thank you. As a side note, um, an example for an NFT I wanted to talk about our NFT. Um, you'll probably notice on the episodes for this uh, podcast, these images that are very different from each other. So if you actually look at the cover art for every episode, it's actually part of our Cyber Friends NFT. So our Cyber Friends NFT, we want to create a world where <clears throat> um, this is going to be your first NFT you'll ever um, receive. So like we talked about earlier with, you know, the board apes, um, the, the crypto punks, et cetera. Um, our special unique selling point with um, the um, Cyber France is that it's a completely free NFT. So, and it'll be the easiest NFT for you to get. So we want this to be your entryway into NFTs. So if you're interested in getting um, a Cyber Friends NFT, um, look onto our website and then sign up with your email. Um, and when our um, wallet comes live, um, you will get a special link that'll bring you to become a beta user and then as well get your first free NFT. And catch you on the next episode.